You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. It's good. Happy Father's Day weekend ish. Weekend. Yes. Happy Father's Day weekend. Let's get it up. All our fathers. Happy Father's Day to all our fathers. Um, yeah, grandfathers, great grandfathers. I don't know if we have any. Do we have any great grandfathers in the room? Great grandfathers? I don't think we have great grandfathers. I don't know, no. Who's got, I don't know, who's got, how many got the most grandkids? All right, stand up if you have more than five grandkids. Anybody got more than five grandkids? All right, Gordon, you win. All right, let's give it up for Gordon. More than five grandkids. Yes, I've contributed three. You've got three from, that's it. So, um, but Father's Day is always a, it's a, it's a good weekend. It's a, it's an interesting weekend for me this year, uh, for, for many of you. Some of you may not know, but this is my first Father's Day without my dad. Uh, he passed back in October. And um, so I have discovered, you know, Father, Father's Day in a new way this, this year. I don't know what tomorrow's going to be like for me, so please don't call. Um, <laughs> um, but I think it's helped me discover both the blessing of a father, but also kind of understand, maybe for the first time, the impact of not having one. You know, because there are, I know many that don't, like I had the benefit of an absolutely amazing, fantastic dad, but not everybody gets that. And my dad didn't, himself didn't have that. He didn't have a great dad. Um, and so I'm just grateful uh, and, and learning, learning, you know, what, what dads mean. They mean different things to different people based on uh, what, your, what your father was like. Um, so to all the dads in the room, I just want to say your responsibility is this. One thing, ready? Love well. That's your responsibility, dads. Love well. Nothing matters more. Uh, your family really, I mean, it's not so much providing vacations, houses, cars, food, shelter, all those things. They're important, yes, but they're nothing compared to the love that you can give. Because almost anybody else can provide those things, but nobody else can provide love. So I just want to encourage you. Dads, it's the most important responsibility any of us have, really, not just dads. <laughs> it's the most res- important responsibility any of us have, whether you're a dad or not, is to love well. Uh, that's our calling because uh, it's what we need. We need love. Uh, we need to be loved. Um, so that's really all I got to say about that. This is not going to be a Father's Day message, so I'm not going to talk to dads because not everybody in the room is a dad, so I'm not going to do that. Um, and it's not what I felt like God lead my heart to speak on uh, this evening. Um, uh, but what I am going to share is a message I hope we can all benefit from, and my prayer is really that this would be a timely message, right? There's something about a timely message. Like, there's, you can say, you know, you, c- you could say something, and it's, all right, but a word spoken at the right time, oh, man, that's, that's priceless. Scriptures say it's like apples of gold and settings of silver. It's deep, right? What does that mean? I have no idea. I think it's supposed to mean, like, it's pretty. It looks like a pretty thing, like an apple of gold in a setting of silver. I don't know. I think it meant like a jewel. Like we could say like a diamond on a ring, right? Like it's on a good setting. A good, I don't know, what's a princess cut? I don't know. I don't. It's been a long time since I bought a diamond. <laughs> um, so these past few weeks, uh, we've invited you all to kind of imagine yourself on the shores of life, right? Imagine yourself. How many want to be at the beach? Anybody at the beach this weekend? Some of you want to be at the beach right now? Right now, you'd be at the beach, you'd be okay at the beach. You guys, yeah, love the beach, right? The beach is awesome. So my, my right, come on, Ethan. Uh, every day, Dad, can I go surfing? Dad, can I go surfing? Dad, I'm going surfing. Dad, I'm going surfing. You can see his face is red because he was, 
surfing. And so, I mean, he loves the beach. We love the beach. We're beach people. So imagine yourself, if you can, just imagine. You're not in the senior center staring at bingo and, uh, and all of this wonderful, beautiful things. But imagine you're staring at, there you go, the ocean. Um, and uh, now just think that this huge expanse represents your life um, lived in, f- in relationship with God. Right? It's, it's out there. Um, it's a God that in the natural we can't see or hear or touch. Right? So it's a God who's sort of bigger and beyond our natural ability to comprehend. And we've heard stories about what's out there on those waters. Like we're, we're on the shore, but we've heard that like way, way out there, some say that there's treasure beyond your wildest imagination. Some say there's nothing but disappointment and pain and foolishness out there. Don't waste your time. A life with God is empty. Some people say that. Some people say, uh, I haven't left the beach, and I have no idea what's out there, so I can't tell you either way. I'm just sitting here staring, uh, and I'm happy just to not know. So if you're here listening, watching online, wherever you are, it's probably because some part of you is curious. There's something inside you that goes, "Ah." I believe that there's something about a relationship with God that's more than I can see or understand now from where I am. There's more out there than I'm presently experiencing. And I'm curious. And you just don't want to stay. You want to explore more. The only way to find the truth, got to go out there. You got to hit the water. You got to get out and sail a little bit. Um, uh, like Captain Jack Sparrow, we said originally, right? We all need a boat. <laughs> we need a boat. You don't need the black pearl, but you need a boat because the vessel that gets us out to understand what a life of faith looks like, that that vessel, right, is faith. That's what it is. It's a boat. Faith is the boat that takes us out into the unknown and takes us out to where God, uh, what God has for us. And the story of Jesus is all about faith. It's literally about taking steps into the unknown, into uncharted territory. From the first moment that Jesus interacted with people on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, right, he's literally on a beach, it's the first time really we see Jesus doing ministry. He's on a beach. He shows up, and the first thing he says is, hey, you guys, come and see. Let's come look. Come be curious. Come investigate. Let's see what's here. It's an invitation to test and see if what God actually says is true. He says, hey, come see for yourself. Don't just take somebody else's word for it. You come look. And it's an invitation, and it demands action because you're not going to know if you just stay where you are. You can't stay there. You've got to move, right? And so we, we've been talking about this for the past few weeks that we have to go and see. And his invitation still stands. 2022, we're still called to come and see. Now, I don't know where everybody is in the room, everybody watching online. People come from all different perspectives and all different starting points in terms of faith. Um, some of you have been out on those waters for years, Right? You've been, you're a sailor, you, you got your, right, you, you ahoy matey, right, you, you're out there, you know what to do. Some of you, right, you, you're just staring and you've never even started out. You've never even really put out into the water. And some of you have been in the water and then back on the shore, in the water and then back on the shore. And, and you're kind of like, ah, I go back and forth with faith, I'm kind of up and down. Um, some of you are just sitting on the beach wondering if this is even worth it. And our goal the past few weeks has been to say, hey, how do we help? 
How do we help those who are trying to grow in your faith? And our goal is to specifically say, what are the storms? Because what do we know about the, the ocean? There's storms. It ain't easy. I'm, I'm no sailor, I, I must admit. I don't have my sea legs. I get seasick on a stand-up paddleboard. I have tried it. I get out there, and I'm like, all right, the horizon's moving. This is not going to work for me. So I'm not like the most seaworthy guy. I don't know. It's not, I'm not a sailor. But I know this, that those who do sail have revealed that there are dark, dark nights on the water, that there are storms that are scary and intimidating, that there are times where you feel like I'm not going to make it through here. There are times of doubt where you're so far from land and you go, I don't know that I'm going to make it back. I don't know how we're going to make it through this. Wondering, is this even worth the journey at all? And we're talking in metaphors here because that's what pastors do. We talk in metaphors. Everything's a metaphor. Listen, our church is a tree, right? Everything's a metaphor for me. It's just that's, that's my world, right? But really what we're talking about is faith. Is faith worth it? Is it worth it to keep trying to believe this? To keep trying to live in a way that's like, I don't know. Like, I'm told it's going to pay off, but will it? To struggle with the doubt and all of these things. And, they, and we're, we're, we, we believe that there's a richness out there, but there's things that interfere along the way. And we're going, oh, is this worth it? Should I just turn around and I, I know what life is like back there on the beach. It might not be fancy, but hey, it's safe. I'd say probably in this room there's no experts in faith, but there are those who would tell you and encourage you that simply because there are storms, simply because there are obstacles and challenges does not, does not in any way imply that the treasure of faith is a fool's quest. It doesn't imply that what's out there isn't worth it. Just because there's storms, all that that matters, all that it tells us is that we demand wisdom, to navigate those storms. We need to know how do we get through those. Because if we're not prepared, it's going to be rough. But my goal as a pastor is to help you say, how do we get through this? And so we've looked at storms. We've looked at storms like violating our conscience, right? Like God puts a compass inside each one of us. You know what's right and wrong. I'm not talking like big major things, everything. But there are times in a, in a day where you know what's right and what's wrong. And you have a decision to make in the moment, will I do what's right? Or am I going to do what's wrong? We were talking about this this week with some friends. There's so much power in those little decisions. We may say, like, ah, oh, it's just no big deal. It's just a small little thing. But the moment you say, I'm going to do what I know is wrong, even if nobody else knows, it moves you onto a different path. And then the next step, and then the next step, and the next step, and you don't, you find yourself where you never meant to go. But it didn't happen overnight. It's a series of these tiny little decisions when you know in your conscience what's right, and you go, eh, I don't want to do that. And you violate it, you're going to shipwreck. It's, it's inevitable. Then we talked about how missing the point of faith can shipwreck us. For some, we think faith is all about being perfect or being holy or being religious or thinking right or understanding or knowing all the right things, saying all the right things, doing. It's a behavior, a moral code. It's a set of just how do we live? And that's not it at all. He says, hey, you know what the point of faith is? You're missing the point. The point of faith is this, love. 
The point of all my teaching is that you would be loving. See, we think faith is all about all those other things, and Jesus was very clear. He says, listen, if you love, you're going to get all those other things. They'll follow, but you put love first. But if you miss the point, and we, we think faith is something else, we think it's just an act, and then it's not worth it. We get to a point where we say, you know what, forget it. Storms like pride, where we, days we think we know better than God, where things happen, we go, God, I wouldn't have done it that way. God, I don't like how you're handling this. God, I don't like what you're saying about that. God, I think I know better than you on this issue. God, I would write my story different than you, and I'm not sure I want to go where you're leading. God, I want to do it my way. You want to shipwreck your faith? It says there's two types of people in this world, right? Those who at the end of time we say to God, thy will be done. And those who at the end of the time, God will look at them and say, to them, thy will be done. We get to pick. We can either do it God's way or he says you can have it your way. We get to choose. But pride will inevitably sink our faith. Then storms like missing God in our story going throughout our day, and, and God is working all the time in our lives, and there are times we're like, yeah, that's just, that's just coincidence. Eh, just, that's not God. We don't give God credit for all that he does in our life, and we can easily just, just explain away all of the miracles that God is doing in our life. And it's going to shipwreck us. If you miss it, you cannot miss God in your story. Storms like our past, like guilt and regret, shame, I've done too much, God, can weigh us down. Storms like anger, we talked about this, right? Get so angry, so angry. And anger's good, it's, an, it's healthy, we need anger, it's an indicator that something's not right. But there are times where that anger takes over and it seeks to control us. And anger has one purpose, I'm going to burn this thing down. Remember? And it's going to burn you down with it. It doesn't care. So that, again, that anger, which starts out good, it just becomes so dangerous. So these are those storms in our lives. And so it leads us to today. One final storm, and then we will put, we'll stop doing shipwreck. This will be it. Right, we're done after this. Um, but my goal for, for this, this message is to help you understand what this last storm is and guard it from allowing it to just derail the faith that would lead you to those fuller things that God has. And once again, we're turning to a letter written by a man named Paul to his young friend Timothy. Now, Paul is interesting because he had literally been shipwrecked three times. Three times. He says he actually spent 24 hours floating in the ocean at one point. Literally 24 hours. Like, i got to imagine he saw sharks, right? Like, just literally hanging on to, like, a piece of driftwood from the boat that sank. Like, hang. Anybody ever been shipwrecked once? Seriously, Anybody? I can't imagine you would. It's not that common. Three times. Like three times. It's like getting struck by lightning three times. It's like, that's, that's impressive. That's, that's impressive. I think that's pretty good. Um, and he's writing this letter to his younger friend to help him on his journey of faith. And his words are so timely, I think, even for us today. It's going to be on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, and this is what it says. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And he says this in verse 4, they will reject the truth and chase after myths. Now this was written somewhere between 65 and 67 AD. Okay, that's a long time ago. Anybody 
born then? No, right? Like, that's a long, long time ago. But to me, that kind of sounds like it could have been written yesterday. Anybody else? You kind of pick up that, right? Over the past few years, the truth in our society has been so obscured, so distorted, so manipulated that it becomes very difficult to separate fact from fiction. Yeah? Um, we all know how reliable the internet is, right? Like, if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. Right? Got to be true. Abraham Lincoln said it, right? Or, you know, you have a friend who did a lot of research. So reliable, must be true, right? Or um, uh, the expert who's on the news channel, clearly they have to be telling the truth because it says expert underneath their name. Um, right, we take, hopefully you take your news with a grain of salt because you're discerning and intelligent people. Yes? Good, okay. Um, it's actually become a game to satire accounts, right? Here's the game. The game is we're going to put news out there and see who will believe that this is actually real. And you will watch. I was, I'm, I'm a, I like to watch baseball. There was actually a, a baseball radio game from a, a game in, like I think it was the Padres. And during the game, they were announcing about a player on the Yankees about something that he did and he, that he had promised a whole school that he would buy them all these Chromebooks if he would pitch more than two innings. Because that day, he pitched an inning and two-thirds because he had a terrible outing. He was awful, and they took him out early. So they put this article that he had promised them all, but since he didn't go two innings, it's a joke. It was, it was, they were making fun of him. Well, these guys were talking about it, like, I can't believe that. He couldn't even make it two innings. Like, this was fact. Like, presenting his fact, like, how? It's a game, Right? You know it's a game, right? Some of you follow satire accounts. I know, I know you do because you send me their, their tweets all the time. <laughs> like, I get them. You're like, Pastor, you think this is funny. And uh, John, you send them to me all the time. Like, it's only once a day. Um, the, the problem here is that those who should be trustworthy haven't done us any favors. So people like pastors and priests and politicians and professors, right, they haven't proved to be reliable so much either. There have been people that were in positions where those should have been the most trustworthy. And they're not trustworthy at all. These days, I think they say pastor is one of the least trusted, like, professions in the world. Come on. Like, what are we doing? Like, what's wrong with this picture? And I don't blame anybody. Like, it's, it's earned. It's <laughs> We've deserved it. Right? And I think it's... There's a question that Pontius Pilate asks Jesus. He's standing in, in front of Jesus. When Jesus is just about to go to the cross, that the crowds are like crucify him, and, and he's got this audience with, with Pilate, who's the ruler of Rome there. And, and, and Pilate asks Jesus this question. He goes, what is truth? I mean, listen, that's a great question. And he's asking a pretty good guy. You know what? Pilate doesn't wait for the answer, and he turns around and he walks away. What Paul was warning Timothy here is not simply that truth is going to be hard to find, but that there's going to come a day that even when the truth will be made clear, even when it's made crystal clear, when everybody's like, oh, this is what's true, that people aren't going to care. Not that the truth will be hard to find, but that they'll know the truth and they don't care. Think about that. 
A time is coming, my young friend, Paul is saying, when people are going to reject the truth, they're going to have no appetite for it. They're not even going to be listening for it. doesn't matter if you're telling the truth or not. And the question is, is why? Why would anyone choose to willfully reject what they know is true? Why would anyone have such utter disregard for that which is real? And Paul says this, here's why. Because they're, they're just listening for what they want people to tell them for their own desires. They've made up their mind to only listen to people who will tell them what they want to hear. Again, does that sound like anybody in our world? Only want to listen to people that are like them? People that tell them what they want to hear? Listen, we live in a world that will customize anything to you. Right? Just about anything to you. Right? If you want pepper jack cheese, Kevin, you can get pepper jack cheese. Right? And hot sauce on the side. Like whatever you want, right? You can get you can get custom made sneakers. Where's Kevin? Kevin, where's Kevin? Hey, where'd he go? You had your face on your sneakers last time I saw you, man. Like your own face was on your sneakers. You could customize just about anything. You want a car? You want pinstripe on a car? You want crazy you can, you can make your car look like you want, whatever color you want. You could customize anything to you. Right? Your glasses can be custom, your clothes can be custom, your food doesn't matter. Everything can be custom made to you. Your phone, your apps, everything. Google and Amazon and listen, companies that you have never even heard of have paid untold sums of money to find out what you want so they can give it to you. They'll find out what you want to hear and what you want to look at because, listen, they're not giving it to you for your good. They're just giving it to you because they want to make a profit. Can I ask you, are we in a time where people, perhaps even people you know, definitely not you or me, where people are choosing to listen only to those who tell them what they want to hear? And it's, it's appealing, right? This is a time where truth doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter if it's because what, what matters is, is it convenient? Is it profitable? Is it, is it what I want? Here's what Paul was telling a young Timothy. Guard yourself from the storm of self. Guard yourself from the storm of self because it's going to shipwreck your faith. If you will live to please you, if you will live for the me monster, right, to please yourself, if you will only allow those who affirm what you think, what you believe, what you want to believe, if you will surround yourself with people who will feed you what you want to hear, and you'll have no room for the truth that maybe perhaps challenges you, criticizes you a little bit, says, hey, can I correct you here? If you have no room for that in your life, Paul is saying, Timothy, let me just tell you, you're a young leader here. Paul, older man. Timothy, younger leader. Timothy, listen, you're going to want people that are going to be yes men. They're going to tell you exactly what you want to hear. Oh, yeah, boss, you're great. Keep going. That's awesome. What we're doing is, you know, you keep doing Yeah, you're always right. You're never wrong. Just You just do you, right? Whatever, follow your bliss, whatever makes you happy, right? All those stuff. Just says, if you do that, you are destined for the ocean floor. That's where your faith will last. Self is a never-ending appetite. As we noted a few months ago, it's an idol, right? It promises the world, says, "I, I don't require much, but it will ask for more and more, and eventually it will demand everything and give nothing. 
some buy the lie that we can find peace and joy and fulfillment by surrounding ourselves with people who tell us what we want to hear. That that's the happiest place to be, right? That I will be happiest when people are just saying, oh, just exactly what I want to hear, just affirming me constantly. I don't have room for all those toxic people in my life who just, you know, the haters. I don't have room for that. That's, that's what the kids are saying now, right? You know, he's like, Dad, you're so cringy, so cringy. The truth is this, any lie, any lie, no matter how appealing, is never going to deliver. It doesn't matter how you package it, how sly it is, how complex it is, but that trap is laid and people walk into it over and over and over again. It can be so tempting to set aside truth, and here's why. Here's why anybody would ever set aside truth and say, I want to believe a lie, because the truth is hard to hear sometimes. It requires sacrifice. Jesus started out and said, come and see, but you know what he eventually said? Hey, come and die. Oh, come and see. That was easy. That was free. That wasn't, that wasn't asking a lot of me, but come and die. That's something altogether different. You just raise the stakes. See, Jesus doesn't overpromise. <laughs> says this is the truth. Listen, it's like nothing else. It will lead you exactly where you want to go. But other people will lie to you. They will deceive you, and they will sell you lies. And if you're not careful, you will buy it hook, line, and sinker. It can be so tempting to set aside truth because it's hard. It was G.K. Chesterton who said this. I may have quoted this recently, I don't remember, so I'm saying it again. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. The Christian life has not been tried and found like it lacked. It's been tried, found hard, and just, I don't, I'm not even interested in exploring it. So, how do we navigate the storm of self Realistically, how do we guard against the temptation to surround ourselves with people who only tell us what we want to hear, even at the expense of truth? How do we do that? How do we practically live? Paul gives us four very quick, very simple action steps. So timely. Here they are. Ready? Verse 5. He says this. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. First, keep a clear mind. That, word, that clear mind phrase comes in the Greek, it means sober-minded. Fully in charge of your faculties. Like you are making decisions, right? In every situation, he says it this, it starts in your mind. Here's the thing, if you want to know the truth, you will. The question here is never about what is true or not, it's just whether I want to hear it or not. Truth is not hard to find. It's just whether we're receptive. The truth is right there, black and white, very simple. If you want to know the truth, you will. You have to recognize that we, are, we can be unguarded in our minds. Paul also says in Romans chapter 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's about our minds. Sometimes, even often, the truth will seem contradictory. See, here's one of those things. The truth often contradicts everybody around us. It seems countercultural. It seems like the truth is backwards. 
But really, we're living in a backwards world, and the truth is right side up. Which leads to the second step. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Not everyone's going to pat you on the back for the truth that you found. You're not going to go, hey, I found truth, and everybody's going to be like, great, that's awesome. Good job. I'm so glad you did that. Thank you. Tell me more. Tell me more. Right? What's going to happen is that you're going to say, hey, I found the truth, and people are going to be like, weirdo, get out of here. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. It's not what I'm looking for. It doesn't fit with, my, with what I want. And God's, and he's saying here, just don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of people challenging you or questioning you. He says, suffering is a doorway to a deeper life. But I want to caution, because I think some people, and I'm speaking kind of to church people for a moment, a little side here. I think some people have made this a badge of honor, suffering for the Lord, because of their truth. And they interpret suffering for the Lord to mean it's okay to be offensive with truth to throw it in people's faces and to say, hey, this is truth whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, well, you can, mm -hmm. <laughs> literally. Um, the more I'm hated, the better. Listen, the truth is not a weapon to be used to beat those who oppose it. If it's true, here's the, tr ready? If the truth is true, it can stand on its own. It doesn't need our help. It doesn't need us to defend it. Truth endures. It stands the test of time. People, we come and go. Right? A hundred years from now, all new people. <laughs> Truth stays. Which leads to the next one then. So he says, right, keep a clear mind. Don't be afraid of suffering. And this is where he says, work at telling the truth. This is really where I want to zero in on as we kind of wrap this up. Paul actually wrote this. That this is the whole point of church. This one point here is the whole point of church. Work at telling the truth. We're supposed to gather and grow together and each share what we are learning on our faith journeys, right? We're supposed to come together like we're doing now in a senior center with bingo on the wall. We're supposed to be here. Paul said that. So that we stop being immature in our faith and move on to mature faith. As we grow and mature, we will speak the truth in love, he says. You speak the truth in love. Not just speak the truth, period, which is what some people do, and it's harsh and it's I don't even want to listen to those people. And I know they're spending, I know like there's elements of truth in there, but if it's not wrapped in love, I don't want to hear it. It's like bacon. You wrap anything in bacon, I'm in, right? Shrimp and bacon, sure, I'm good, you know? Like steak and bacon, yep, let's go for it, right? You wrap anything in love, we should be able to hear it. It means with kindness and patience and gentleness and compassion, as we come to understand the truth of God, it's on us to work hard to love people who at the present don't even want to hear it. It's on us to work hard, to love people, to speak truth and love to people who don't even want to hear it. Do you understand? That's complicated. You ever try to say something to somebody who doesn't want to hear what you have to say? Parents? <laughs> you ever try and talk to kids and they're like, they do not want to hear me right now, but I'm, I'm plowing through with this. I'm going to get it out, whether you like it or not, because I'm your parent. I'm going to, right? It's hard to communicate when somebody, the work, you want work, work is this. Get somebody who doesn't want to hear what you have to say to hear what you said. Oh. And you know how you do that? Paul says, wrap it in love. Wrap it in love. If you wrap it in love, people will hear it. 
Paul gives Timothy such wise advice, and he says, again, I don't say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. He says, don't do that. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Right? Be, be able to teach. Be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Listen, he says, perhaps God will change the hearts of those people and they will learn the truth. Perhaps. Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap. For they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Our goal is not to prove that we have the truth. And now listen, our goal is not to prove that we have the truth. We aren't going to argue anyone into submission. Although you, some, some definitely try. But instead, our goal is to be so kind and so patient and gentle with those who disagree that perhaps the way we treat them says more than the truth itself. Listen to that. That our goal is to be so kind, so patient, so gentle with those who disagree, who don't even want to hear what we have to say, that perhaps the way we treat them says more to them than the truth itself, which will ultimately lead them to that truth. But it really comes down to says, hey, wrap it in love. Wrap it in love. And if we will do that, he says, then you will be fully carrying out the ministry God has given you. Ministry is just a fancy word for saying serving. Our purpose is to serve others. That's why it's so evident that self-serving is directly opposed to what we're called to do. Faith leads us not to treasure for ourselves, but to treasure for others. Jesus himself said it, right? Son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve. He didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister. So, we're going to close. I'm going to invite the band to come back up if they're able. We're just going to close with a song here. And I just want you to, to think about this as we wrap this up. The storm of self can shipwreck our faith. If all we're living for is ourselves, surrounding ourselves, what we want to hear, everything's about us, that boat's not going to get you where God has called you to go. But... Now that we know that, that's half the battle. And very simply, we have to keep a clear mind, think different, recognize truth. Don't be afraid to suffer. Work hard to tell the truth in love. And if we do that, we'll be serving others, which is what we're really here for. If we'll do that, then we'll be able to conclude like Paul, who penned these as his final words in life. These are the last words Paul ever spoke or wrote, he probably said something else. But he said this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. What he's saying is that my ship didn't sink. My ship didn't, there were storms. I've been shipwrecked many times. But I have fought that fight. And I have persevered. And he says this, and now the prize awaits me crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will give me on the day of his return he says and listen this crown is not just for me but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing all glory to God forever and ever amen amen so I'm going to invite you to stand we're just going to close with a with a song and uh, and we actually have a gift 
but not just for our dads because, you know, dads like to share. So everybody gets a gift on Father's Day weekend. And so I'm not sure exactly how we're doing this, but it'll come from the kitchen area. So we have coconuts and mangoes. It's the sorbet that's in them. <laughs> so it's like coconut ice cream, but it's the sorbet. I think it's dairy-free. So there's coconut and mango and passion fruit and maybe grapefruit. I don't know. It's four different flavors. Everybody, help yourself when we're done. Please stick around, hang out, have a good time. Yeah, Gordon's bringing it out, so it's all good. We got, we got good stuff for you. Um, but uh, let's just take a moment and pray, and then we'll close with a song, and then we can have some fun and eat together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, that you call us out upon the water. You don't leave us just to live life. Lord, sitting on the shore, wondering. But Lord, you give us the faith to lead us to experiences. Experience your goodness, your provision, your joy, your peace, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your hope. Lord, so much. Lord, I ask that you would guard us from living for ourselves. We're just surrounding ourselves with people that say what we want to hear. And Lord, would we instead be diligent to listen for the truth, to keep a clear mind, a sober mind. And may we in turn share that love with the world who perhaps doesn't want to hear it. May we do it with all the love that you give us so that perhaps they one day can know your goodness too. Thank you. We commit ourselves to you. You're so good.